0: Welcome to the 360 Experience Podcast, friends. I am your host, Tim Brahim, and I'm very excited to share this conversation with a dear friend of mine, Chris Chudikoff, with all of you. Now, Chris Chudikoff has played a very important role in my life. Not only was he one of my best friends in college, And not only were we fraternity brothers and had way too much fun together but chris is actually the person that got me into the mortgage business shortly after college he went to become a loan originator with a local mortgage brokerage company i found out that he was doing that for a profession and he asked me and invited me actually to come sit with him at his office and shadow him for a week And kind of after that, the rest was history. I I dove right into being a loan originator as well, and we spent the first six, nine months of our mortgage career working together. Now Chris is going to be bringing in this conversation a vast array of wisdom that comes from having been in the mortgage business for 30 years now. Uh, he's presently a loan originator. He's gotten back to doing that and focusing on that, which I think makes his perspective very cool. Over the last five years or so, he's been focused on originating loans. Um, but he also has held a wide variety of other positions within the business over the last 30 years. He's been a owner of his own mortgage brokerage company. He's been a sales manager. He's been the senior vice president of business development for a couple of national mortgage companies companies that, uh, that were of prominence. Um, and, and then, of course, he's he's back to doing loans for a living, which is where he started his career. Uh, he's doing it successfully in this important transition market of 2023, and he's going to bring some really cool perspectives to you on how he networks, how he manages his client database, and how he creates alternative referral sources from uh, a wide variety of different other business professionals through his networking practices he is a father he is a husband uh, and he is a great friend to many and i'm really excited for you to get to know chris Chudikov today before we get to the conversation i want to remind you of a couple of bits of uh of house cleaning items if you will number one at the conclusion of this show there will be the post Conversation coaching from me, which is about 15 to 20 minutes, where I'm unpacking some of the details that took place in that conversation and giving you some directive coaching around it. In the show notes to this episode is the link for you to get access to all of the post coaching conversations that have come after every podcast that we've done so far. So definitely go to that link and uh, we will send you access and unlock all of that coaching for you to have access to which is great value and then finally please subscribe to the show and please let anybody else that you know that you find the show to be valuable to ask them to subscribe as well the more subscribers we have the better the guests i'm going to be able to have conversations with which is just going to make things that much more better for everyone and without further ado my conversation with chris Chudikov. what is happening what's up tv well, I don't even know where to begin with you, man. Like, I want to laugh with you. I want to cry with you. I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to thank you. Let's just start there. Like, I mean, um, wow, man. Like, when I look back on my life and I look back on the important people that I've met along this journey, you know, of 56 years, that has been crazy. Uh, you're way up high on the list of the most important people I've ever met. I mean, you know, you um, we've had so many fun times together that I could just anchor into, and that would make you an important person. But then when you add to the equation that you got me into the mortgage business and you gifted me the opportunity to shadow you and you helped me so much in being able to like, figure it out at the beginning. Uh, when I needed a mentor, I mean, you were my mentor. Like I was thinking about this. I was telling my wife about this the other day. I was like, wow. Like I'm going to be having a conversation on a podcast with my mentor. And, uh, I really want to say thank you for, for getting me into the business and for all that I've achieved as a result of you. So let's start there.
1: Yeah, man, I, it, first of all, uh, I'm honored, uh, more so for our friendship and our, and our time together. Uh, than that accolade that you have been so kind to bestow upon me, you know. Uh, full transparency, you know. You know my wife of of thirty years. When I was telling her about the podcast, she's like, "Any regrets about business with Tim?" And I said, "Well, of course. Like, I got Tim into the business. He friggin' took off like a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. He was studying every night. He was preparing. He was doing all this stuff. I wasn't as." proactive and aggressive. I'm like, then he goes and stakes his claim somewhere else, asks me to come with him. I'm like, no, I got a good gig. I'm fine. Then he goes and opens his own mortgage company, sells his own mortgage company, starts a software company, which by the way, to this day is still the greatest loan originator tool box ever. Um, and, and the only thing I say to her is I have a little bit of regret, not really, but a little bit of, gosh, I wonder what would have happened if I would have followed along with Tim from the invitations he gave me and the only reason why I don't find anything sad about that is in the immortal words of the great theologian, Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting, I went after the girl and uh, being married <laughs> to my wife you know, for, for 30 years yeah. and truly she likes me most of the time. What I think I may have given up in potentially working with you, spending more time with you, having the financial successes you've had, uh, I went after the girl. So no regrets. But man, listen. The accolades are yours. I just opened a door, you walked into it and you went you know, full steam ahead.
0: Yeah, you know, let me, uh, thank you again. Thank you for your humility. Um, I, I wanna just quickly anchor back to the first thing I said is like, we could do a whole show on just you and I telling stories about some of the crazy shit we got into over the years, man, that uh, still this day were some of the funnest times of my life. And I will tell you that your old friend Rich Katz is yeah. dying, is dying to listen to this episode. When I told him that I was gonna have you on the show, he was like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to listen. So let's rock and roll. Thank you for being in the 360 experience, brother. Um let let's just I'm sure we will weave into funny stories and, and stuff like that along the way, which I'd love to do. Um and and but yet at the same time, I think we should talk some business here right out of the gate and give everybody a little bit of a background on, I mean, you've been in the business for how long, like go a hundred thousand feet to kind of take us through the progression real quick. And then we can dive into some things that I think are helpful to people to, to hear right now from, from two guys that have what a combined 60 years experience in the mortgage business between us. Sure. So, so yeah. far away.
1: Yeah, I, I, I got fortunate. I stumbled uh, into a mortgage company after graduating uh, college uh, at, at Harvard of the West. That would be Cal State Northridge. Um, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I was an originator for nine months and they fired the sales manager and thought I'd, I'd be a good fresh face for that. Um, that really got me into the how do I help others get better? I didn't mind sacrificing myself, but how do I help others get better? I just started my 30th year uh, in the business. And it's interesting. In the last 30 years, I've been an originator. I've been some sort of sales branch manager. I owned my own company and and guessed right and got out right before 2008 because I had an opportunity to do a joint venture. Um, I then worked in two of the largest retail space in a senior business development role and an originator role for six years prior to opening my own brokerage again. And I guessed right uh, in the end of uh, two thousand and eighteen. And it's interesting. I just turned fifty-six uh, on Sunday. Happy belated inter- birthday! Two days ago. Yeah, and I yeah, thank you for the text. Um, it's interesting. I'm a I'm a mortgage broker. It's myself and two full-time operations people. One of them is a family member. I was telling my wife the other day, I've never been happier in 30 years uh, because in all the successes and failures along the way, what it took me almost 52 years to realize is I love helping clients. I hate managing teams and employees more than I like doing more loan volume and I've, I'm really in this sweet spot at 56 years old, where I friggin love my job because I'm talking to first time home buyers all the time. I'm, I'm engaged with every single client. My claim to fame of my clients is I can help 30 clients a month. That's it. And I have found that when I can help 30 clients a month, I enjoy talking to my clients, I've built big teams. I hated it. I didn't like employees. I did more volume. I made more money. But that's where I'm at now and I just I'm in this really sweet spot I've just never I've never been happier and one quick note I have people who come to me and say the longevity, the success, how'd you do it like tell me one thing and this I learned from you um, my CRM is my lifeblood It works for me 24 hours a day whether I wake up or not and if I could tell someone new in the business or even veterans who still don't have CRMs which amazes me You don't even need to be smart with tech if you have a good crm your phone will ring in the busy times it'll ring a lot in the slow times it'll still ring and keep the lights on
0: wow man thank you for that great great summary so like i just want to anchor into something for everybody to understand and and confirm with you so you became the sales manager very shortly after i mean somewhat simultaneous to me kind of going off on my own at south coast financial and doing my own loans kind of breaking away from shadowing you 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 became my sales manager but for only a short period of time but you weren't a loan originator for very long before you became a sales manager right you were a loan originator for like a year and a half is that correct
1: uh yeah even a little bit less yeah i i was surprised when when the president called me in and offered me the job. And I'm I'm looking around the room and I'm like, I'm being punked. Like, like, where's the camera? Like <laughs> you're, you, you got guys in the room who to this day are still Joe Tishkoff. You got these superstar originators that have been around much longer than me. And I never looked at myself as the leader slash manager slash, you know, pour into others. Um, and that really began a catalyst of job opportunities that came up where I kind of got cornered into that role. But yeah, I, I listen, Tim, I was as surprised as you or anyone else was at that organization that they chose me after like 10 months of being an originator to be the manager.
0: I'm going to hold that you got that position solely on one thing, your attire, you fucking <laughs> you dressed fucking for success, dude. So let's go, let's go in the rears. Let's just divulge a little story here to everyone. about when you used to work at Bullock's, right?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Best dressed guy in the student union in college (laughs) every day, Z Cavaricis. For those of you that go back that far. Okay. And a lot of nice slacks and shoes, but the secret to your dating success, correct me if I'm wrong, was that you would put on a great outfit. You go out on the date and then the next day you go back and you'd return it. And get your money back is that fa- Is that a fact talk to us that's about a, it
1: 100 percent fact i mean any, <laughs> any starving you know poor college kid who finds the hot chick and you know a a, a quick side story my wife and i were looking at old pictures like a year ago and she saw the picture of you and i at penn state on the nittany lions yeah. with our shirts off and i had more hair and she said well who's this guy and i'm like of course that's tim she's like no no who's the thin guy with more hair And that was, she was of course referencing me. And so I I didn't have the best looks. I had a great personality and I figured I just needed to dress the part. So I'd put on a nice pair of pants or shoes or a suit from Bullocks. I would put the tag underneath and hide it. I'd go out on the date. I'd return to the next day and everything was fine.
0: Such an amazing story. I tell that story to Trey about, I don't know, about a couple of years ago, I guess it was, and he thought it was a great story too. Um, okay, so. You said something so incredibly important that I don't want to skip over. Um, 30 clients a month. I want to, I want to uncover a little bit more about that. Say more. I have some thoughts right out of the shoots, but I just want to understand like what's your thought about that entire decision to have 30 clients a month, no less or no more, excuse me.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I didn't have that number when I started in 2018. I had myself and a processor and an assistant. And I I knew going back to full-time originating, I wasn't going to come out of the gates and do 100 million. It was I even as a business development guy at guaranteed rate for six years, you know, I would do 30, 40 million a year while running, you know, this big region. So I knew I wouldn't hit a home and out of the gate. And candidly, it it hit it happened in 2019. I started growing my business just being more intentional about business development, networking, and attacking my database instead of just letting the automation work. And in about the middle of 2019, I started doing more than 30 loans a month. And I realized I had to do one of two things. I either had to add more bodies to grow more, or I had to be miserable and work more. And I didn't want to work any more than that. And as you know, I'm, I'm deeply ingrained in two philanthropic organizations. I'm a, I'm, I'm a grandfather. I've got some families and friends that struggle with addiction. So addiction's rampant in my family. And I just told myself, I'm either adding team members to exceed the 30, or I'm just I'm going to work more. And I, I didn't like either of those options. So I realized for me to work about 50 hours a week, maybe 55 if I need to, I'm able to handle 30 clients and still get five star customer service ratings and still get referrals. And so it, it was a couple months of doing a little bit more than 30 loans where I kind of realized that. And, and candidly, Tim, it forced me to decide who I wanted to do business with, which is a great first world problem. I didn't have to work with every realtor that hunted me down on a Saturday that didn't respect my boundaries. I didn't have to work with the great referral partner that had a client that had a $190,000 manufactured loan that wasn't in my wheelhouse. And I feel like I became better with my clients when I limited the amount of time exposure I was willing to put into it because I didn't want to sacrifice the rest of my life.
0: Uh, there's a million things to, to comment on there, man. I mean, that's like on so many levels. It's such great business wisdom. It's such great life wisdom. It's such a self-honoring choice in so many ways. I mean, um, it's a great marketing angle if you want to use it. Um, so like, I, I don't know, like, do you, do you ever even play with putting that out there that, you know, I'm, I only work with, you know, three, you know, 30, 30 families a month or anything like that. Or does that sound like too big of a number to you? Because to me, when you put that limit in there, uh, obviously I want to take a look at like what that does for you on a psychological level, because I think that's really important, but, but from a marketing perspective, have you ever used it that way?
1: You know, it's interesting, nothing public, if you will, as far as whether it's a video, I do a lot of video, whether it's a video on a social media post or something like that. Uh, the the two areas and, and, and I, I I just closed alone yesterday. I had a seven minute exit call with my client. I do those myself and I get a lot of comments because I ask people, why did you choose me? What, what, what did I do? Well, what can I do better? One of the recurring themes I get when I do that exit interview is they tell me I appreciated that you were that I was one of a certain amount of clients that you're willing to invest time in, and that you didn't pass me off to someone on your team after we hung up at the application. Um, and, and I can talk about my flow and what my, what my processor and assistant do. So that's the first thing I tell every new client engagement: this is how many clients I can take a month, and let me tell you why. The second part is when it has come to some new sources. I, I'm a little bit different. I, I'm not so like ingrained with only realtors. Realtors only make up about 18% of my business. Um, almost 52% of my business is either past client or pl- past client referral. Over 30% of my business is referral partners that are not real estate agents, CPAs, financial planners, fiduciaries, estate planning attorneys, all of those other networking partners. It's great when I get one that wants to work with me because I maybe did a good job and they're the listing agent, I can say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm not taking on any new real estate agent partners at this time uh, because of these relationships and the amount of business that I can execute at this level. Um, I've actually had two realtors in my local market call me each year and ask me if I'm able to take on a new real estate agent. Now, I also have a way to go and look at their production and see if they're worth my time or not. Um, so that's what I've done to at least kind of send that message out, whether it's my clients or whether the, you know, the real estate community.
0: Oh my gosh, man, you're blowing my mind right now. First of all, you're doing so many things (laughs) that are so important that most loan originators skip over and just don't do like the exit interview or the post-closing call, whatever you want to refer to it as, but yeah, it's like so important. It's, it's the final It's for now the final interaction that you want to leave them thinking about that is going to make them remember you and that pausing and slowing down and doing it right and connecting and showing that you care and really leaving them with that final thought of, wow, Chris is a good guy. That's where the referrals come from. That's where the guaranteed repeat customer business comes from. And everybody fucking skips that part, bro. They're so in a hurry to get on to getting another deal that they forget that what the importance of that call is that it makes it to where you don't have to go out and get a lot more deals later because right. they come in vis-a-vis this wide web of people that you've touched in a, in a, and and you've cared for and you've, and you've truly looked out for their best interests. And I love the fact that to have that limitation on the number of clients that you're, you're able to serve or, or, or will serve on a monthly basis, What's the message that that sends to you about your confidence level in yourself? I mean, think about the dynamic difference between I'm chasing versus I'm being courted by two realtors. I mean, it's like, it's totally a dramatic difference. So I wanna go a lot of places, but I want you to talk a little bit more about your uh, other, I wanna get to your database for sure. Um, but I, but I also want to talk about this, you know, you knowing your numbers, 18% realtors, roughly 30% alternative referral partner sources. Um, do you have a strategy for building those alternative referral partner relationships, or has it just happened over time as a result of taking care of people the right way? Um, how has that evolved And, and go into some detail on that, please.
1: Uh, yeah. There's really two ways. And again, I I love that uh, I start out this conversation with you calling me a mentor. I, I'm I'm that guy that opened up a door for a human, and I learned more from you in Lone Toolbox than you could have ever learned from me in the short time that we got to work together. Um, you know, if I'm interviewing someone, call it a new CPA. I tell them, I ask my clients seven questions before we start that have nothing to do with a loan. I want to know if they can rate their CPA, rate their financial plan, or why don't they have a living trust? And so so to bring that full circle, prior to about uh, six years ago, I send a letter to every CPA after closing. with I do an introduction letter and a copy of the client's uh, customer survey. Um, anytime, you know, the first thing to look at is originator. If you know what you're doing, the first thing you do is you pull a property profile and refinance and find out if they're in a living, I don't pull it; my assistant does if they're in a living trust or not, because you win either way, you either get an introduction to the, uh, uh, pro, uh trust attorney, or you get to refer them out. So I I've been doing that for years to build that alternative, because I'm going to say this carefully. I hope you don't have any great realtors on your audience. I work with about 14 real estate agents between Orange County and LA. I do not like most real estate agents. And by focusing more on these alternative referral sources, for instance, I'm gonna tell you right now, two of my closest friends in the business, like 25 year guys haven't originated a loan in six months. Now I'm not closing the volume I did in the last couple of years, who is, but I'm still averaging eight or nine closings a month. And almost all of it's coming from my alternative partners. For instance, I do a lot of business with a fiduciary who sends me transactions that no other lender can do. That client is not rate sensitive. They when you say nothing... a fiduciary,
0: sorry to interrupt you. When you say a fiduciary, yeah. I, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I'm not exactly oh, sure that I'm clear on what that means. So can you explain that?
1: Yeah, so, so a fiduciary is an attorney. Very few of them do it because there's a lot of risk. A fiduciary is someone where... For instance, let's say before my father passed away, he wanted someone else to manage my trust that wasn't the siblings. That attorney can actually go out and make decisions. They're typically hired more, maybe from court appointed, maybe the beneficiary of an estate was someone who's disabled. Um, And the court appointed fiduciary or a privately hired fiduciary actually makes the decisions. They can borrow money against real estate to help a special needs child, they, they make the decisions for the beneficiaries if the original person who passed away didn't want them to do it. By the way, no one markets to fiduciaries. I have four of them in California. I love them.
0: Like, Where did you find them? That's
1: This is yeah, brilliant. So, so that leads me into my second area. So, you know, Like a lot of people, I did the terrible BNI networking groups, the chambers, all that stuff.
0: Ivan Meisner is going to be really happy to hear this clip. Keep going.
1: (laughs) So, a a short plug I'm I'm in Southern California for people who don't know I'm in Orange County. There's a a Los Angeles based networking group called Provisors. And Provisors, it's the major leagues of networking. If BNI is single A or double A, uh, it's the major leagues. 60% of the audience is attorneys. And so, Just so you know, I devote about twenty hours a month to this networking group, and I I strategically go after the people that I can do business with. Estate planning attorneys, financial advisors, are the best referral partners any mortgage originator originator could find. Um, And you know, uh, again, the likes of probate attorneys because there's real estate that needs to be dispositioned. The Provisors networking group for the last six years. Now accounts for over twenty five percent of my business, and I, I track all that through my CRM. I print a monthly and then an annual report. Let's, to let's let me get business.
0: some perspective on that for a second. So, how many loans did you close a year in twenty one and twenty? Let's say.
1: Yeah, I, I, I did north of three fifty both years.
0: Okay, so thirty deals a month. There's your thirty families, and yeah. they and it represents how much? What percentage of your business do you say? Thirty percent.
1: This networking group represents over 20 almost 26% of my total loan production.
0: Okay. So 75 loans a year. Um last I checked Southern California has pretty good commission uh, sizes yeah, so
1: my, my average loan amount is about 585,000.
0: Okay, so we're talking, you know, some life changing. This is a life changing identification of a group that you've been a part of, you've been devoting 20 hours a month of your time because it's it, it requires that to do it great um and it's a life-changing experience i mean there are a lot of people that would love to do 75 loans in a year period much less that being only 25 percent of your business um keep going but maybe you can so the fiduciary was found through uh, is that how you got those fiduciaries is through provisors
1: yeah i got got referred to an estate litigating attorney so that that's the power of this networking group like you get brought in like there could be four or five of us on one transaction that are all in the same group. And so there is an estate litigation attorney. People were fighting about the estate. They had to get a fiduciary involved. They contacted me and said, you should talk to this fiduciary. He's always struggling with helping get real estate financing for the real estate that he's you know, managing for some of the people that are beneficiaries. So it was referred by another networking member. And then this fiduciary has referred me to two of his friends that are also fiduciaries because they all they all dance in the same circle.
0: Have you had your disc done your disc I assessment had what? have you had a disc assessment?
1: Oh disc I have not
0: I'm sure you're probably a high eye um I mean just from what from how well i know you or knew you for most of your life and then what you're engaging in cuz it's it's networking is you know requires some extrovertedness i don't know if you heard the conversation with Barry Habib and i in january in the show i did it was a great talked, one. yeah thank you I, he did a wonderful job when we talked about networking i thought he added a ton of value just in some of the the art forms of it i i also think that it's really fascinating um that you you, well, I think it's very important, not fascinating that you're really tracking your numbers because, I mean, I think that if you're not tracking your numbers, those types of things, like I remember the first time I ran some numbers on my CPA and um, C- CFP slash stockbroker referrals and life insurance agent, Todd Gindy was a great referrer to me. And I had no idea, like, it was it was stunning to me. I had... I had received about 26% of my business in that particular year from those sources. And then like 30% of my business from realtors in that same year. And I was like, Whoa, what the fuck? Like, I spend so much time on the 30% and literally no time on the 26%. Like, what would it look right. like if I spent more time on the alternative referral partners, which it sounds like you're doing? I mean, and how much does it cost to be a part of this program? I'm sure that there's a cost associated, right? To be an exclusive group like that.
1: Yeah, that there is. So this one's a little expensive. It's about $2,000 a year. It's no big deal. It's nothing. Um, I mean, it's not. For some people, they think it is. And without getting too much into the weeds between some social engagements and some meetings, like between parking and lunches, it's, you know, it's another 200 bucks a month. So call it less than $5,000 a year. And and, and real quick, when I joined this group, I joined it for the sole intention of finding better referral partners because I couldn't find Good CPAs and and financial planners and, tr- and estate plan. I, I was still referring clients to my a fraternity brother of ours, Tom Christopher. I was still referring T C
0: in the house.
1: Yeah, I, I was still <laughs> referring clients to him in Northridge, and I'm 100 miles south of there. I joined this group because I needed better referral partners, and it wasn't until year three when I did my annual kind of breakdown: where did my business come from? Uh, who, who sent me the loans? Where are my referral partners? where I realized in the third year, it was almost 10% of my business. And I'm like, shit, I got to do more of that. Yeah. Instead of chasing down the same realtor with 93 other originators chasing them. And that's when I made a bigger commitment, a deeper dive to start investing more time with them. And it has grown exponentially every year since that decision.
0: Well, hello, friends. And I hope that you're enjoying this episode of the 360 Experience Podcast. To listen to the remainder of this episode, please visit us at The Loan Atlas, where you will also find the most comprehensive resource for mortgage professionals to build their practice backed by the greatest faculty that's ever been assembled in the mortgage industry. Check us out at the link below or go to theloanatlas.com. Look forward to having you as a guest on our next episode of the 360 Experience podcast.